Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. How's it going? Hi, everybody. We forgot to ask them. Do you like our new intro music? Oh, yes, you guys. <laughs> do we love? Actually, I wanted to look at the uh, post that we posted on Almost 30 Podcast Instagram. That was, tell me that you listen to Almost 30 without telling me you listen to Almost 30 and see what people oh, said. Yes. <laughs> our friend Lauren Everett and Jordan Younger did that. We were like, got to do it. Yeah, Got to see what... Almost 30 Nation has to say. People say, oh my God. Oh, one of the things was Maggie, who's in the membership. She said Stray Cat Alliance. Oh, which is, oh my God, that's probably my favorite, which is the Stray Cat um, organization that I talk about all the time. That's amazing. Another one said, I'll see you on the other side to someone the other day. See you on the other side. Oh, oh my yeah. God, I love you. This girl goes, I got a copper IUD. <laughs> hey. Give it, People don't... say bless. Yes, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. Big facts. This is uh, hilarious. That's hilarious. They know us so well. Yeah, you guys know us so well. We're so freaking predictable. But so we're happy to have you. And if you're new, welcome to Almost 30. We've been doing this for about five years now. We're excited to have you. And this will be a really good one about body and our relationship to our bodies. So this will be a few different perspectives on people's body journeys and their relationships with their body. And when we've talked about this with our community, whether it's in our membership or whether it's at events or in person or even on the pod, it's been really beautiful and powerful to feel less alone, especially as it relates to our relationships with our body. Definitely. Yeah. And just, you know, the more that we talk about it in the community, the more that I realize how many different perspectives and experiences that we can just like hold space for. Because I think there might be one narrative in the mainstream of like this body acceptance, but like there are just so many different yeah, experiences. And so, yeah, this roundtable covers a few of them, but we obviously know there are so many more. But yeah, the roundtable format is something that we do every once in a while. It's kind of fun just to, you know, have it be a, just a, a real rolling conversation, very intuitive. We did a friendship episode. If you guys haven't listened to the friendship roundtable with Milana Snow and Letitia Roll, that one is also really, really fun, really good. That one was so good. And it's interesting, actually, the first time we recorded the friendship roundtable with Milana and Letitia, the the audio didn't save. Oh God. And it didn't, probably because I was crying at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, we were in the mountains in the middle of, what, oh, was, what God. was it? Salt, Salt Lake City. Park City. Park City. So beautiful. We had the best weekend ever. And I felt like a tub that weekend. <laughs> I just felt like a tubber. And I just, it was like crying at the beginning. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. So embarrassing. <laughs> it's not so embarrassing. It was just, yeah. Ugh. Well, it's, it's I don't. Emotions are so real and also so temporary. Mm -hmm. And so to have our life, by the way, like in 400 plus episodes where in some of them we are 100%. really emotional. And we're like, Whoa, okay. Whoa. That has passed. But anyway. Whoa. <laughs> Honestly. I was yeah, and I was actually crying about my body. So it's kind mm -hmm. of interesting to like yes. just whining about it. But it's funny too how the relationship I have with with talking about it, it's like I'll have people message me all the time about our episodes that we've done or when I've talked about it. And sometimes I'm just totally like unavailable for it. I'm just mm -hmm. like, oh God, I don't even want to think about this. Like it just becomes Living in the space of that constant conversation about the body, I yeah. find to be a little 
boring now. Not that I'm I'm completely not healed. I'm completely not on the other side. I feel better than ever about my relationship with my body. And I feel more free than I ever thought I would be. But it just is something where I'm like, oh, I don't want to keep ruminating on this. Mm-hmm. Even though I completely have my days, it has to be like very specific. I'm like, oh, in this hour, I feel this thing and I want to talk about this thing. Yeah. But overall, it's not like a conversation that I really like to, to feed or nurture because it just, I find it to be for me personally, I'm just like, oh man, am I still talking about this thing? Yeah. I think I get impatient with myself. I'm like, am I still still having to worry about this? Yeah, because I think we all have those, those loops, you know, that we yes. want to have less of. And so when we actually shine the light on it and we're like, okay, let's get to the bottom of this. It can be exhausting. It could actually perpetuate more. I like to bring it to like a therapy situation, like have it be a very yeah. intentional hour where I'm like, okay, I want to bring this here because I know we're going to possibly get somewhere with it rather than like me by myself or even with friends. Yes. Sometimes I don't feel like, like, are they going to help me with this thing right now? Yes. A hundred percent. I think body too. I have very specific friends who I go to about it. Mm-hmm. And it's funny too, because people listen and some friends or people that I meet will be like, well, you have like things too. So you know, like what it's like. And I'm like, I don't want, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So okay. I have my sister who obviously understands very deeply, like, especially from uh, how we were raised and sort of how that plays into how- mm, That's a good one. How mm-hmm. we feel. So I very, feel very seen in that conversation. And also too, it's like, it's nice that with my sister or even with Kaylin, um, Kaylin from home, like she gets it. She knows my mom. She knows sort of how we were raised and she really understands that to have those people. And it's beautiful with them because they don't like expect me to change. You know what I mean? Like some friends are like, okay, so like what's gonna, you know, like, so what are we doing to heal? Or like what's next? And that's like a beautiful part of living in Los Angeles and having our friends. But also there's like, dude, I just want to like fucking marinate. Mm -hmm. I just want to like, yeah, I just want to rip. Yes, 100%. Speaking of rip, this past weekend, I fucking- You ripped? I ripped. You I ripped. didn't even expect. So we had a healing this weekend in the membership wow. and it was just the most, dude, Milana will always be able to get me there. It's actually embarrassing at this point. I'm mm-hmm. like- <laughs> I know. She's a very good friend of ours and I just feel, yeah, I feel very, very safe to to let her rip with Milana. We were doing breath work and- she was doing an energy healing. I also think just the membership group is so, oh, I can't say it enough. They're just so special in the mm-hmm. sense that they're down and ready and open and willing and just like, oh, it's, I it's, couldn't believe it. It's beautiful. Everyone was bawling. Bawling. Oh my God. I mean, so yeah. much truth shared. And yeah. some of the girls who were watching the replay were messaging me today and they were just bawling their eyes out. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, that was so powerful and transformational. And, yeah, I love that it also translates when they're not live because some of our girls are international, yes. so they're not always able to make the live the live hangs. So they watch the replays. You know, you can watch them when you're in the membership. You can watch the replays as many times as you want among the older um, replays from months before. Mm-hmm. And so they're still getting like just as much value. And yeah, I mean, I was crying in the morning at therapy and then I was crying then. I know, dude. <laughs> Justin's just getting used to it. He's literally like, He's like, what's going on? My brother's here right now. And he was like, I'm going to go get coffee. I know. I was, well, you know what? I I was telling my therapist on when I uh, came into therapy on Tuesday. So she has a, she has a dog and 
I remember I was in her room one time and I was sitting in her room and I was like, oh, is your, do you have an animal? I was like, do you have a dog? She's like, yeah, actually I brought him in today. He's in the room next to me. And so I could sense the dog. I was like, mm. oh, there's a dog energy here. And there was a dog in the other room. And then today when I was pulling in, I was like, or on Saturday when I was pulling into therapy, I was like, oh, her dog's here. I can't wait to see him. I felt his energy. Mm. And so when I walked into her room, I was like, oh, can I see your dog? I, I feel like he's here. And she's like, well, do you want me to tell you? And I was like, oh. she's like, he passed. He was 13. Oh. He was a Boston. And I'm crying for like, oh. she, I was like, how are you doing? And she's like, not well. You know, she was like being really honest. And then I started crying and I'm like, this is hilarious. <laughs> you know, I'm like, this is just, because I'm wondering, and of course I'm always thinking what a therapist thinks. So I'm like, I, I hope she doesn't think that I'm like, <laughs> taking, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, I hope she doesn't think this is You're performative. You're making it about you, Yeah, Krista. literally. I was like, I hope she doesn't think I'm being performative now that I'm crying about her dog and blah, blah, blah. She's like, he was an amazing dog. I was he was an amazing dog. <laughs> he was amazing. He was literally so sweet. Oh, dude, well, that dog I made her dry right up. Oof. She's probably like, oh my God. Well, not safe. Not safe. But I was thinking, I'm like, oh, this is the life of living open-hearted. And I mm-hmm. felt like that lately with yeah. even our conversations we've been having where we've been really emotional about just like transitions we're going through. And I was like, wow, this is what it's like. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, I was, and at first I was like, man, this is a lot. And then I got to the point very quickly where I was like, man, this is fucking beautiful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, just to like feel fully and and just to have the emotion almost like knock me out. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like this, like, so just to kind of give a little insight, I just feel like I'm going through a untangling of an enmeshment in my family. And it almost feels at times like the boundaries that I'm creating and the work that I'm doing is almost like creating this like divorce from my family, which is not the case, but it does feel like that sometimes. And so I do feel like I'm grieving a little bit. I'm grieving this old me. I'm grieving this old dynamic that I used to play into all the time and uphold. And it's just, it's really good for my family and it's really good for me, but it's like, it can literally feel like, uh, yeah, like I'm dying sometimes. It is that feeling of, yeah, I've just, I just felt like a little kid where I'm like, oh my God, like I'm just like, mm-hmm. like everything that I've known is being taken away, mm. but I'm stepping into something that you know, I'm so like very much excited about and I believe in and I'm confident in, but for people to witness that, especially in my family, it's, I think it makes them think about their life themselves, our dynamic, like it just, it shifts things. Mm -hmm. And I think my therapist was saying, and was just noting some really prominent shifts in our family system. My brother recently spoke some pretty big truths to someone in my family. She's like, that was a shift. She's like, you're like, mm-hmm. you're creating a big shift too. Like it's just kind of earthquaking a lot of stuff. And yeah, I'm just like in full surrender mode. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I'm praying a lot. Cause I just, I feel kind of helpless at times. Cause I'm like, I can't help them. Mm-hmm. I can only help myself. So I'm just like praying for that, for their, you know, 
receiving of of this new stuff. But I know a lot of you out there can relate. I've spoken mm-hmm. to a lot of you about this. Just, you know, so many women in our community are really are really taking care of themselves in a in a big way. And I think that can activate people close to you. You know, for so many different reasons. That's huge. Bethany Webster, the mother wound, she said that she created a boundary with her mom and, you know, it ended up, she no longer, you know, associates with her family because she did sort of change that dynamic too quickly and not too quickly, but she just sort of showed up as the person that she was going to be and and stood her boundaries. And I think so many people can relate to that. And and I think a lot of people can relate to it and they don't exactly know what's happening where why they feel bad or why they feel confused or why... So I just feel grateful that we have so much understanding of what's happening from mm-hmm. like, you know, the level of of being in relation with therapists, relationship with people that help us educate us on these things. And you can really pull it apart. You're like, oh, this is happening because of this. This is happening because of this. And then being embodied about it is really important. But something I've been thinking about a lot lately is like remembering that and sort of being comfortable with the knowance that we are born as catalysts and like you are a catalyst in your life. I'm mm-hmm. a catalyst in my life. And that means that sometimes people will be uncomfortable with yep. you, your growth, your the way that you catalyze people. Some people want to be catalyzed. Some people don't. And I think that it's really just like our, a soul signature that we have is to catalyze people in whatever way it is, whether it's almost 30, if it's our personal life, if it's your personal life, it's like knowing that that's sort of like our soul mission as a catalyst and that there will be things that happen along the way that can be scary because of it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, big time. And I'm realizing, you know, this is a duh statement, but I'm actually realizing the truth of it is that like, you know, and I think Aaron Rose posted something about this where like our purpose in life is to live our life, mm-hmm. you know? And like I, in just big and small ways have really allowed the needs and feelings of others to kind of dictate how I live my life. Um, and you wouldn't think that on the outside, but like in just sneaky ways it happens. And I've just felt purposeless sometimes because of that, because I've just kind of abandoned myself over and over. And so, yeah, that's why I'm really just, I'm really proud of myself for committing to living my life, you know? Mm-hmm. I can get, get emotional because it's, it's like, it's just what I want for everyone. And it, and I think what I'm experiencing now is a lot of like um, just judgment from people because like from my family for doing what's right for me. And that's really hard, you know, because I just, I love them so much. And I'm like, I would want you to do whatever you want. I truly love you. You know, same with us where we feel that way about each other. Where we're like, I just, I love you so much. And I just want you to do what's best for you. And like, that's what our relationship is based on. And so when the family dynamics come in, because it's so fucking deep, it's like, it just, it bypasses the purpose of our this life, you mm-hmm. know? And um, yeah, it's just, yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's um, a lot of collective healing and learning that we're doing that love isn't what we think it is, mm-hmm. where love isn't the martyr, love isn't being completely selfless, love isn't abandoning yourself, love isn't, you know, all of these things. And we're really learning how selfish love is and how love is really living your life. And love Mm -hmm. is allowing people to be happy outside of you and allowing people to be themselves, even if it doesn't involve you and allowing people to have freedom of choice of whatever parts of their life. And there's so much unlearning that we're doing. And I was thinking about just how in religion, sort of that is reinforced that like the selflessness of love, that love is like this selfless thing or love is like condemning. And there's just a lot of confirmation of that in how we've sort of evolved. And so I think it's it's something that I'm thankful that our generation is sort of rethinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautifully said. I feel, yeah, that idea that, and I think it's being thrown around a lot, you know, this idea of like, you're selfish. I'm experiencing it personally, but I do think just, you know, we see it in the mainstream a little bit. And it's just a really interesting thing mm-hmm. to say that someone is selfish for doing something that's, yeah, just their soul says is the right thing to do. Totally. You know, so... The word selfish, like, isn't even in my vocabulary I anymore. Know. Do I know. Do you know what I mean? I completely agree. I'm like, like what I'm is trying that? To I don't even of, know what that word... I'm like, selfish? I don't even know what that word... Like, I wouldn't... The me ever calling someone selfish, I haven't probably called someone selfish in like 10 years. I know. I completely agree. I'm like, good for you? <laughs> totally. I just, it's not, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't think about it. I don't. I'd call someone an asshole before I'd say they're selfish. Because you yeah. know what I mean? I think there's a difference totally. between, yeah, I don't even know. But Because well, now it's like, if they're selfish, we're like, they're wounded. Yeah, totally. Do you know, like we're honestly like, we're totally. like, they're wounded. Totally. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's interesting too. It's like, yeah, my family was so unmeshed. Like it was just the opposite. Mm-hmm. And I have another, my other close friend has that Amesh relationship. And it's interesting how yes, I'm like in relation to Ameshment and Ameshment relationships and how it sort of shows Where's up. Where's the in-between? Honestly. Because <laughs> I'm like, burn it down. I'm like, yo, burn it the fuck down. No one will tell me what to do or be. Well, that's why it's it's so helpful for me. You know, I think that... Literally visual of me like burning it down. Yeah, yeah. It's very helpful. I know. It's helpful. It's... um. Well, we yeah, balance each is. other out yeah. that way. Neither is mm-hmm. good nor bad, but um, thank you for sharing. Thanks so much. This was all scripted. All scripted. This was all scripted. <laughs> this was, the tears are water from my Brita. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> this was all scripted bullshit. Oh, um, gosh. Okay, so what's going on with Almost 30 before we get into the episode? So we have Podcast Pro happening. If you guys are interested in launching, growing, or monetizing on our website, we really have beautiful courses and programs to support you in that journey. We share everything that we've ever learned in the process of growing Almost 30. Um, A lot of things we've learned being in communication with networks, with other big creators in the space, and and being in the industry for a really long time. So we have that. It's incredible, almost30.com. And then we have all of our courses and programs and our beautiful beautiful, beautiful apparel in design with uh, Daisy LA. That's all available at almost30.com. And the site's new. It's beautiful. um, And we're really proud of it. Yeah, super proud of it. And we have 
something special coming up uh, towards the end of April related to our merch. So oh, yes. stay tuned for that. Oh yeah, we're going to have a big old sale. Big old sale. Um, so if you don't already, follow Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram. Uh, we share a lot of funny stuff on there, inspiration, news, biz, all the things. And I'm at Lindsay Simsick on Instagram. And I'm at It's Krista. And if you've been coming for a while, highly recommend you subscribe subscribers to this. And if you've loved the pod, would love, you know, a kind review on iTunes. It's always just super nice to support us. And then this episode will definitely be one you want to share with friends. I think having conversation and even having your own little roundtable with your friends about body and the relationship to the body Mm -hmm. is really beautiful. So I definitely recommend sharing this with other people that you've had conversations about this with, or you feel like could benefit from this breath of fresh air um, that we have today. Yeah. And joining us today, are Shayla Quinn and Brittany Vest. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, You can find out more information about them in our show notes. But thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Thank you for energetically holding space for Mm -hmm. (laughs) for all that we share on the podcast. It, It means a lot to us. And feel free to DM us. We're always down to have a convo in the DMs. Enjoy this one and we'll see you on the other side. We love you. I'm so glad to have you guys. This is like so much fun. We're so grateful. Some of our dearest. And when I was thinking about like conversations that we have and conversations that I really enjoy and that our audience really values and appreciates, a lot of them are around like body, body acceptance. And I've found that when I've sort of come out with my story, whatever my story is, that it just gives people permission to have the conversation and to feel less alone. So when we wanted to have that today, I immediately thought of you guys just because um, I see you as people that are so real and are so like seasoned in your understanding of your body journey and just have like an opinion. And I've really appreciated it. And it's interesting because when I first moved to LA, I was hanging out with you actually. And um, I'm pointing at Shayla. And I don't know what we were doing. I think we were doing something and you were talking about your relationship with your body. And I remember having this moment. I was like, what? I literally was like mind blown. I'm like, she has body Mm. image issues. I couldn't believe it. I was like, because I just, I was like, oh, that means that everyone does because I see you as someone that has like such a beautiful bystander, you know, figure. And so I was like, oh, wow, like this isn't just people like me where I have in my head, I have a perception of my body and I have a perception what I looks like, what I look like. And it validates my belief that I am X, Y, and Z. And it was just crazy to me. And so when we, you know, thought about this, I was like, oh, I really want to bring all ends of the spectrum. You know, we all have different experiences with our body, our relationships with our body growing up and everything like that. And so I'd love to, you know, have a conversation about that really openly. Um, for people that, you know, are new, I'd love to just introduce yourselves and then just let them know, you know, what your experience or body journey has been like. Do, do you want, want me to start? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're okay. so polite. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. I love you guys so much. So this is so fun. I just feel like, you know, we're chatting with friends and you guys mm-hmm. are getting to listen to it, which is probably the best way to go about this. So my name is Brittany Vess. I am better known as Fitty Britty on Instagram. My body journey. I mean, my body journey has been going on, you know, for my whole life, basically. Like, I was overweight as a baby. A baby. I think I talked to my mom. When was it? I don't know. I called her one day and I was just like, okay, so I know I was overweight as a child, Mm -hmm. but when, like, did the doctor start talking to you about my weight? And she said I was drinking 2% milk. And he was 
the doctor said, you need to switch her to skim. And so I guess it's always just been in my genetics. Like I've always been heavier. Um, But when I look back at photos, I wasn't, I was like chunky, you know, cute, like little chubby kid. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't like I was like obese, an obese child. But as I got older, kids and high school and all of that come into play. And I never really cared about my body. I was always pretty like happy-go-lucky, very, very, you know, fine. Um, My parents and grandparents were very bothered by like my weight and would always talk to me about it. And so that's the only time Mm -hmm. I would you know, feel like badly Such about Such a grandparent myself. vibe. I know. Like, if we was, haven't had a grandparent <laughs> comment on how we look for our weight, I mean, who, where do you live? Yeah. <laughs> so I think, and then, uh, you know, as I got older and I went to college, I, again, didn't really have a worry in the world about it. Um, and then I, but I also, you know, I, I grew up playing sports, so I was active and all that. And then when I went to college, I stopped doing anything except walking to class and partying and dancing at parties and that kind of stuff. So, um, and we were, you know, all my friends were thin and didn't have a weight, like issue with weight whatsoever. They could eat what they want, drink what they want. So I was eating and drinking everything like everybody else and enjoying my life. And um, before I knew it, I was, you know, around 250 pounds and I was with a an ex-boyfriend and he, we had a not great relationship and he looked at me one day and was, and he was overweight as well. And he was like, you need to lose weight. And I was like, what? Like, how are we like, how are you saying this to me right now? And I broke up with him. And then a couple of days later, I basically woke up and was like revenge body time. And um, <laughs> I decided that it was my time to lose weight. I really went into it as this is going to be a weight loss journey. And it was, and I joined Weight Watchers and really didn't look back from that. But that was about almost nine or 10 years ago. So between like now and then, it was, it's been just such a journey. And now, you know, it's not about my weight or my looks. It's just how I feel. Mm. So there's been, I mean, every single person has this journey with their body, whether they, you know, look like they've had one or not. And I just feel like it's, there's just so many little details and so many things that happen. And so many, like someone can say something to you, like we were talking about earlier, and it can totally change how you view yourself. And um, just doing like a lot of work over the past 10 years on myself and, you know, really learning, like the weight loss journey really helped me evolve into the woman I am today. Like it helped me, you know, show me that I have that I'm very strong and I have amazing willpower and I am determined and all these things that, you know, make me who I am today. And, but then it also taught me that I can become, you know, obsessive and I can become, I can push people out of my life really easily because they, you know, weren't making it easier for me during that time. And yeah, it's just, it's been a a very eye-opening journey. And I always say that it's not done. I'm still always like learning, trying new things, like becoming more into myself, basically. And it's something that I really love. And like, it's, it's a really big part of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's always, you know, I'm always striving to be the best version of myself, but that doesn't necessarily mean now the smallest version of myself. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where I have really grown the most over the past 10 years. Powerful. Mm. Yeah. I love that. My, hi guys. <laughs> Sorry, Barry. I got wrapped up in, in Britt's story. I love listening to you talk. Um, 
Hi, everyone. I'm Shayla. I'm so excited to be here with my girls. And um, as far as my body journey goes, it really, it started when I was quite young and I was, unlike Brittany, very aware of my body from a young age. And it wasn't really because of anything within myself, but because of outside um, influences. So growing up, I, in elementary school, and middle school, I was heavily bullied for being super thin. So I, but I ate normally. I wasn't anorexic or anything like that, but I was really bullied for that. Bullied for being super skinny, couldn't fit into the clothes at Limited 2. I remember crying in the dressing rooms with my mom and being like, why don't any of the pants fit me? It was like really upsetting. And I think that because I was bullied for being skinny and also having a flat chest, it really made me super aware of my body. And, you know, throughout the years, it was something that I really focused on. And in the beginning of my body journey, it was really about me just not being happy with my body. Like I really, from a very early age was like, okay, I'm being told that my body isn't right. It's not okay. And because, and I also had a lot of other stuff happening in my childhood and in my life with my family dynamics. And I think all of that just really made me unhappy with my body and was always trying to change my body, whether that in the beginning was to gain weight and get bigger, you know, to try to like appease and please everyone else. And then I kind of into my early 20s, your hormones change and my body started to change. And I didn't really notice it too much. But then there was a point in time where I lost a significant amount of weight and I was praised for that people were like, wow, you look so good. You look so skinny. What are you doing? And I was like, oh, I was, I ended up, I was sick for a few days. And that catapulted me into disordered eating. And again, like a really negative relationship with my body. And uh, it's just so, such a long story. But I mean, even in around 10, 11, I remember being at my dad's house and I have a really strained relationship with him, but I remember kind of using food as comfort, like joy, you know, and kind of like sneaking candy and sneaking food. And I don't know that I knew what I was doing at that time, but now in my late twenties and in my thirties, I find myself kind of doing the same thing when I'm feeling super uncomfortable in my life. I turn to food and I know a lot of people do, but all of this combined, you know, has created a really strained relationship with my body. And it's something more recently that I'm working on. But um, it's so funny that you remember that day and that you would have that thought about that because I, it's so opposite. My whole life I've battled with my body, you know, and I still do. It makes me emotional because I don't want anyone to battle with their Mm -hmm. body because our bodies are here to serve us Mm -hmm. in this lifetime. They're Mm -hmm. so amazing, you know, but this is what happens. And this is why I'm super passionate about making sure that we kind of stop talking about people's bodies. Mm -hmm. Our words are powerful. Like what you say to people matters and it can really cause a lot of damage, you know? So my body journey is still ongoing and it's something that I struggle with. I'm in an upswing right now, which is great. 
Um, but yeah, <laughs> so funny how those exist. It's it so is true. funny, isn't it? Sometimes yeah. if you're like, how's your body journey? I'm like, what body journey? Yeah, my mom will be like, how's everything going? I'm like, um, it's great, mom. What are you talking about? I don't have a problem. I don't have any problem. I don't really think I need to be on this body acceptance podcast because I actually am fine. And body nuts swings. Can we reschedule when I'm feeling down? Yeah. I'm like, call me in like, uh, I don't know, around the end of December. Hours. Yeah. We had that yesterday. We were recording. We were talking about something in the air. And we were talking about shame. Lindsay, we were talking about what we're shameful about. And I just wasn't in like a shameful mood about myself. <laughs> so I had nothing to say. So I sounded like an asshole. I'm like, I actually don't have anything I feel shame about right yes. now. Like, mm-hmm. It was just like the moods totally dictate a oh, lot yeah. of times how expressive we feel or whatever. Totally. And there's like, there's a true want to not be in that loop. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100. And so it's like, yeah. yeah, of course we have like things that we're shameful about, like that exists, but it's like this desire to not be in that loop or conversation. I really appreciate you guys sharing both of your mm-hmm. stories because I know I know that can be that can be really hard. But yeah, it's this it there is kind of this desire and you feel it. There's like you kind of peel back the later layers and layers and layers. And even if it's in your yoga practice, for example, mm-hmm. it's like, ah, oh, there you are. Like that mm-hmm. moment where you're just like, oh, I love you, body. Like, mm-hmm. I love what you do. I love what you provide me. Like, you are the vessel for this whole damn thing. Yeah. But I just, you know, for for you, Shayla, I'm curious, like, what you've discovered about that, like, need to to control from, like, a young age. I can imagine, like, you mentioned, like, the like your family or just those those dynamics where I'm sure there was kind of a need to control. Mm-hmm like for yourself to feel safe, to mm-hmm. feel, yeah, just to feel safe. Like, have you, have you like learned anything about that? Cause I, I know it's very relatable for people. Yeah. You know, I think there's definitely a need for control around all of that. And then there's also this other layer of like the need to control in order to gain acceptance mm-hmm. and love mm-hmm. because I felt a lack of, of that, mm-hmm. not from my mom, but with my father, mm-hmm. who I haven't spoken to in over almost crazy 13 years. Mm-hmm. So I think that these things kind of got intertwined on accident, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. where yeah. all of a sudden, like the things people were saying about my body kind of got tied in and wrapped into this need for acceptance and then also this need to control because if I can change my body, if I can make this person happy, then they'll love me. And if they love me, then I'll be happy and then I'm good. But it's like at my heaviest and at my thinnest and after I got my boobs done and after I did a 10-day cleanse or after whatever it is, I still was no happier than I was before. Mm-hmm. It didn't bring me the relief that I thought that I was going to get. So what I've learned is that this love and acceptance that I'm so fucking hungry for, hungry, <laughs> <That's good>. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, has to come from me. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really hard because you're talking about 31 years of programming. And I, I mean... Even though I didn't know that I was doing that when I was three, four, five, six, seven, up, you know, to this day, like in those young formative years, I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. But everything I was, I was training myself and getting into this really 
deeply ingrained habit of basing my self-worth off of everyone else except for myself. So I don't know if I answered your question or not, but I think that therapy helps. And also just like owning the shit that owns me in private, like owning that publicly Mm -hmm. really helps because this disordered eating and, you know, stuff that I've been struggling with more recently, not necessarily like in the thick of it, but all just like coming to terms with it has been really, it's been really scary. I'm not going to lie, but also really fucking powerful because keeping it in and like pretending like it's Mm -hmm. not real is painful. Yeah. Mm But that also comes from the need to control because I'm like, if people know that I've struggled with food and that I hate my body, what are they going to think? It's hard. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, shame loves when you're alone. Yeah, it's like does. shame's favorite favorite place to be yeah. is alone with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that too. It's like the the electricity of my experience of hating my body, never feeling, you know, all these things really dies down when I've spoken about it and spoken to it. And oh yeah, you reclaim your power in yes. that way. Yeah, hundred percent. You're not scared anymore. You know, totally. It is. And then you can actually take action, Mm -hmm. right? Like instead of letting it be this thing that is controlling me, which is funny because we're talking about like the need to control, but like the reality Mm -hmm. is you can kind of take ownership Mm -hmm. and actually have true control over this thing Mm -hmm. by owning it, right? Like it's... (laughs) It's easier said than done though. You know, I know that. And I'm still, I'm literally working through that right now Mm -hmm. in this very moment. Mm. And for you, Britt, I know that you um, lost weight. You know, you're in college, you lost weight. You were like revenge, revenge body mode with Weight Watchers. Did you notice like your relationships changing? Like what was your experience through that weight loss? And did you ever come to a point where it was like unhealthy? Oh my gosh. Well, yes, I did get to a point where it was unhealthy, which I can talk about. So with the relationship, so I I was out of college and I had, you know, a nine to five job. I was a graphic designer and I would like, you know, I had coworkers and before I decided to kind of like embark on this, you know, weight loss journey, I had told I I I had gone to Weight Watchers, by the way, growing up so many times with my mom and had joined it before mm. when I was younger. And I had been probably, you know, like I said, on a diet since I was like a, a, a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had dieted my entire life and I had done things like Atkins that, uh, mm-hmm. in high school when I I was losing a pound a day. I was in ketosis. Ooh. I was It was extremely unhealthy. A doctor, I had to go Whoa. get a physical for, thank God, for... Um, the swim team. And there was so much protein in my urine that like my kidneys were about to fail. So like that was one of the moments. And even after that, when my mom, my mom, I don't think was with me at that appointment for some reason. And I remember talking to her about it and she was like, well, did they say you have to stop dieting? And I was like, yeah, they were like, you need to stop whatever you're doing immediately. And we can't give you a pass on your physical until you eat like a normal, like eat carbs. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't, I can't because oh. it's just like going to ruin everything mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. And then of course I did. And it was like, I gained even more weight back mm-hmm. than the weight I lost. Um, Atkins was such a vibe when we oh, were in wow. high school. God, I, just, I remember going to my friend's house 
her mom was on Atkins losing so much weight. Oh, my aunt. House smelled like ass. Dude, it smelled like <laughs> fucking ass. Disgusting. I was like, this house is disgusting. <laughs> Everyone's farting. It's fucking meaty. It's bacony. Everyone's eating like cream cheese dipped in burger, yeah. like burger dipped. It's disgusting. It was literally, at least from my perspective for like kind of the older generation, I saw my aunts do it all together. It was an excuse to eat the cheese and the yeah. meat that they always wanted to eat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. Hot I mean, dogs and string cheese. I'm like, yes. that is not healthy, boo. And then an Atkins bar and you're like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess people will be like scared of a grape, but eat like burger dipped in cream cheese. They're like fruit has too much sugar. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm oh actually just licking this block of cream cheese. <laughs> oh and Weight Watchers, all my my best friend from home, her family, all the all the women in the family, mm. on and off for years and yeah. years and years. Yeah, and you I've know, done it. I've the, done Weight Watchers. The diet industry is. I don't even know the how much money they make a year, but it is Trillions. an insane <laughs> amount of money and. The whole point of the diet industry is to make money and they're preying on all of our insecurities to fix our problems, but they don't know. Even though I had a very positive experience with Weight Watchers, um, and I do believe that they teach, you know, amazing things and things that people need to learn. I still, I mean, my mom is a great example. I love her so much, but she will forever think she needs to lose 10 more pounds. Mm. It doesn't matter Save with my mom. how mm. thin or whatever she is. Every, every time I talk to her, pretty much, she talks about her weight. Mm-hmm. She talks about wanting to lose 10, five, ten, five to 10 pounds. And I'm just like, mom, when are you going to get it? Like those 10 pounds are your joy. Those mm-hmm. 10 pounds are your life. Like you love, she loves to like bake and cook for people. And like, it brings her joy. And she just won't see it, but that's a whole nother story. So back to your question, my relationships when I did embark on my journey, because I, I kind of woke up one day and was like, okay, I'm like going on this journey. It was just like a light bulb went off in my head because I get a lot of questions about like that feeling of they can't, people can't bring themselves to like stick to anything. And, you know, they come to me with wanting an answer and I I honestly don't have one still to this day. I don't even know if I could ever get to that place again. It was just something within me mm. clicked. And the only way I can describe it, which is so annoying because it even annoys me to say this, is just like a light switch, like mm-hmm. clicking on. Um, and I went to, I remember going to my parents' house and I said, mom, I am starting Weight Watchers. And she was like, okay, yeah, I'll go with you Monday. We'll start. And I was like, no, it was like Thursday. And I was like, no, I'm starting right now. I know what to do. Like kind, I knew kind of what to do, and I started. And she was like, "No, no, no! Enjoy like the last couple of days, and then start Monday." And I was like, "No, mom, I'm starting right now." Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Okay, well, I'll start Monday with you." And so she was amazing and came with me to literally every single meeting we went every week. And I had told my like closest friends, I said, "You know, I'm I'm gonna." do this. Like, I don't want, don't ask me to like eat out. Mm. Don't ask me to, you know, go Mm. to the bars. Don't ask me. Like, I basically gave myself boundaries, which at the time I I didn't really know what what I was doing, but I I kind of gave them rules. And I said, if you want to see me, you can see me at my apartment. You can help me meal prep. You can work out with me. You can, I gave them like things that we could do. We could hike, we could this or that. Um, And, you know, of course I ate out every once in a while, but it really was only for like special occasions. And, you know, my friends, I had to, for myself, kind of pick 
and choose myself over, you know, going out to dinner with my friends or having, having, you know, the normal 20 something year old experiences, I had to put a pause on it for me. And it's what I need to do. I don't know necessarily if that is the best thing to do because it really put me into this headspace of it was really easy for me to say no to everything. And I like shut out people, but they, thank God, like my close, close friends were there. Like many of them did work out with me. Many of them would come to my Weight Watchers meetings here and there with me. They were like very supportive. Um, And I still am very close friends with all those girls. Uh, They just live on the East Coast, uh, which is where I used to live. And yeah, so it's, and then, you know, when I was near the end of my Weight Watcher time, so when I say I did Weight Watchers, I would go to the meetings and I loved it. And I, and I, you know, one of the things that I loved was the community. Mm-hmm. I loved my meeting leader. I loved the sense of accountability. The, we, I had this older man who was, we would be in this unspoken little competition. And I'm, for those that don't know, I'm actually a very competitive person. Um, I love winning. I mean, who doesn't really? Right? <laughs> um, and we were in this kind of unspoken competition. I can't remember his name. I can't really remember what he looks like, but I'll always remember him because we would stand up in our meetings and say, you know, oh, I lost, you know, this much weight this week. Or, and, you know, he would stand up and I would stand up and then we'd like look at each other. And then we'd, you know, always say congratulations and that kind of thing. And I, I yeah, I, I found joy in going, but I, after they they changed the program about three months after I uh, started and fruit became zero points and veggies became zero points back then. And I went like ham on fruit um, and I was in a plateau and I was getting so frustrated and I had started training with a trainer then. And he was my, I mean, I, I think of him in two ways. He was amazing because he taught me he pushed me so hard in the gym and took me so far out of my comfort zone and we would yell at each other and I was, I would be so mad at him for making me do the things I was doing. You know, I was so hard. It was so uncomfortable. And in that sense, he was great. But then he also tried to get me to take diet pills. He taught me about, he would, he was the one who suggested that I start clean eating, um, like a body, bikini body. Like I was eating weird meals. I was, he was saying, you know, just drink a protein shake right after, which just like, I would drink a meal replacement shake for dinner after my hour and a half long workout, which was psychotic, Mm -hmm. but this is what I was being told to do. And so that kind of started my, that's those things that he introduced into my life began my obsession and unhealthy ways. And then near the end of my time, so I was still going to weigh in at Weight Watchers, but I wasn't really following the plan necessarily. Um, And as I went through, so it took me like 15 months total to lose. I lost over almost 85 pounds at the time. I had several trainers throughout. Um, He was probably the worst in like teaching me that kind of stuff. But near the end of my time, I was just so wanting to get to my goal weight that I wasn't eating like for days on end. I wasn't drinking anything. And on days that I would weigh in Weight Watchers, this is so bad. I would uh, just drink Diet Coke, which is like crazy. Like mm-hmm. just because I was like, I just have to see this number go down. I was so just like so honed in on seeing the number shrink every week. And by the end, I almost fainted in my gym sauna or steam room, shower, something. I had only had a sip of water that day. 
I had worked out mm. over, I think I had worked out an hour and a half and I like crouched down in the shower and was like, okay. And I was like, you know, when you're about to faint yeah. and you're like, I yeah. said like closing and I was like, it's okay. It's okay. And I like somehow didn't faint. I was okay. I got out. I went to my weight, Watch- my last Weight Watchers meeting. I weighed myself. I hit my goal weight. I didn't even stay for the meeting. I went, there was a Chipotle around the corner from my meeting and I went and I have never weighed that weight again. Like I kind of was able to snap out of those unhealthy tendencies very quickly. That, that the worst of it was probably just a week to two weeks of my life. But yeah, it was, I think it needed to happen because it kind of, I, I sat there eating my Chipotle and was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Like, this mm-hmm. is, who cares? Like, I didn't even go for the applause. Like, I didn't even care. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was the weirdest. Mm. It was, honestly, like when I think about it, it's just the weirdest thing. Like, and ever since that moment, I mean, I, I, I think of myself as a pretty smart person and, you know, I'm, I knew what I was doing. I was choosing to eat nothing so I could weigh less. And I was like, I knew it wasn't sustainable. I'm like, I can't live like this. I can't almost faint in a gym. I just kept thinking, someone's going to find me naked. (laughs) And it's going to be mortifying. (laughs) And I think that, like, the feeling of, like, that, that's so embarrassing. Like, being found like that. So I just, I think I was able to snap out of it pretty quickly. Thank God I didn't, like, and no one knew what was going on. Mm. I wasn't telling my friends, my family. Like, no one knew that was happening. And... I just, I think I, God just was like, no, like we're not doing this. Um, and so I was able to kind of, yeah, I started eating like normally again. And at that point, once I had reached my goal, I let myself have fun. I was 25, I think, 24, 25. And I went like opposite side. I started partying going out all the time, like having the most fun, honestly. Like when I think about that time in my life, like it was so much fun. Like my friends and I would just, you know, go out all the time and, you know, but it wasn't very healthy. It was the opposite end of what I had just done. And not that I, I, I always try to say like, I lost my weight in a healthy way, but it was, when I really think back about it, it wasn't truly like how I view health now. It was what health felt like then. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it, you guys know, it mm-hmm. feels different at every season of your life. Yeah. Um, but then I went back, like I gained some weight back, not that much. And then I, I kind of went through years of partying and enjoying my life. And I'd gain a little bit back and then I'd go crazy again and get like super strict and, you know, go to the gym for two hours a day. And, you know, I told myself, I love this. This is fun. And <laughs> I would go with a friend and all I would do was like work, gym, sleep, repeat, you mm-hmm. know, and that wasn't healthy either. So it was a lot of trial and error and learning and being like telling myself, I can't keep this up because really, mm-hmm. which is what I tell people all the time is you have to live a lifestyle that you can actually maintain, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, what's the point? And, yes. you know, the extremes are what are dangerous, I think, mm-hmm. and yeah. what make it unattainable and um, or uh, not sustainable. So, okay, that was a very long answer. Sorry. No, that was. <laughs> you could just see yourself in the Weight Watchers meeting. I honestly, mean, the circles—it's like a church or something. Yeah. It's like circle chairs and 
There's something about, about numbers too. Yeah. yeah. Like even, so if it's like numbers on a scale, if it's our like Instagram numbers, it's like, there's just something that the mind loves about. Mm-hmm. And it, maybe it is the competitiveness, but it's just like so super focused. And we attach that to the worth, worth yeah. to the value. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting to to think about that as, you know, we evolve. It's mm-hmm. like, and it changes. Shayla, you mentioned something just about like that validation piece. And I feel like we all deal with that in some way where, whether it's our parents, whether it's our partners, whether it's the, you know, our preferred sex that we're interested in romantically, whether it's social media, I just feel like it's kind of inevitable to kind of have that temptation. Like I need that validation from fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. How have you began to just heal that? Mm. Uh, well, you know, I think a major key in that is getting honest about all of it. You know, that has been really powerful for me. Like I said, kind of, publicly owning the shit that owns me in private is really powerful. Um, And then also just having practices in place with myself where I check in with myself, you know, and Mm -hmm. yeah, my yoga practice has helped a lot too immensely. It's giving, it's really held space for me to connect with Mm -hmm. myself and also to find like a deeper appreciation meaning in, in my body and what it does for me. It's so interesting because I'm listening to you, Brittany, tell your story. And it's like, it's crazy to me that even your mom has the same thing where she's Mm -hmm. always got to lose that next 10 pounds. I look back at photos of me so, 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 so thin, like at my thinnest when I was trying to be super thin in my mid-20s. And I remember at that time thinking, I'm fat. Mm -hmm. And I'm just kind of like having a moment where I'm thinking about this, where I'm like, why... Why, 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 like who says that this body type is the only one? And then so interesting too, to be almost like brainwashed to a point where like, and and it's body dysmorphia and, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's a really real thing and I'm not trying to make light of it, but I do think it's really interesting because like I said earlier, like no matter what stage I've been at with my body, my heaviest, my lightest, boob job, no boob job, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. there's always something that needs to change that I need to fix, you know? And I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I'm having like trying to process that. I think it's really interesting. And I think like for me, I know a lot of times it really wasn't about my body. It was about the control Mm -hmm. and the safety and the love and trying to like, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, the th- one thing I really love about myself is that I love to take action. Mm-hmm. If I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. I've had friends like back in the day where we'd be hanging out at 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, oh, I really want these particular chips. And my friend's like, oh yeah, me too. But oh, I can't go to the store. And I'm like, yep, out, out the door, gone. <laughs> I'm like, no big deal. I'll Gotta drive, I'll go. Like if, if I want something, I go and get it. And so yeah. like this take action attitude is great in so many different ways. But then when it comes to other things, instead of like taking action towards kind of digging deeper and finding out what, why I'm upset or why I'm feeling triggered to binge or whatever it is, my action that I was taking prior was to just like 
binge and do the do the thing rather than kind of take action on a deeper level. So I don't know if I'm making sense. I'm just yeah. Yeah. Like, but I'm just having like no, well, yeah. really. I think mine has always been like less control, but more like not enoughness. Like no matter yeah. where it was, it was not enough. Yeah, totally. you know when I was yeah. like. I'm like 5'8". When I was like 5'8", 125 pounds, I was like, oh, okay, we could go lower. Yeah. Like we could go lower. Or when I was like at my dream weight, I was like, okay, we're not here. When I was training for Soul Cycle, I got my body fat tested. I was like 18% body fat. I was like, my goal is 15% for Soul Cycle. Like why? It was just like whatever number it was, it had to be different than mm-hmm. where I was. And mm-hmm. it was that like not enoughness, no matter where I've been. And it's really been like that realization that it's like, it's actually the game that I wanted to play rather than the outcome that I wanted to have. Mm-hmm. I wanted to continue to engage in the game. Mm-hmm. We need to be a smaller size. We need to buy clothes that are smaller. We need to look at our college clothes and want to be in our college clothes. We need to idolize older photos of you where you were a different size and whatever it was. But it's like when I unsubscribed from the game and was like, okay, this is a fucking waste of my time. And when I was finally able to not feel that feeling of that constant conversation of like in the back of my head where I'm like sitting anywhere and I'm like, I'm the biggest one here or I'm uncomfortable in my body or I'm X, Y, and Z is when I felt like my life truly changed. And I'm never thought I would be at that place. I thought I would die with the constant conversation of my body in my head. Mm. And I'm like, when I think about what I have on my plate as far as my shadow work and what I'm working on right now, I'm like, oh, if I got over that, not fully over that, if I got over it enough where I exist in relationship to my body rather than fighting it, I can like do anything. Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel that so much. And I also think like as far as healing goes with that, I think something that's been really powerful for me too is not just... Um, unsubscribing from it, Mm -hmm. but also like catching myself. This is where I was trying to get before, but you know, Mm -hmm. I was off on a tangent. (laughs) Um, Catching myself when I'm feeling, when I'm saying something rude, mean, nasty to myself. Mm -hmm. And literally out loud being like, no, your body's amazing. You don't need to worry about that. Like just like trying to change that habit and and also just reprogramming the way that you speak to yourself Mm -hmm. and about yourself. And it's hard. There are days where I'm like, ooh, these jeans are a little tight. But it's like, okay, no big deal. I have stretch marks. Okay, they're beautiful. You went through a journey. You learned shit. Like just reframing your mind, I think, is is can be really powerful. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, like a lot of us aren't willing to do that work or we don't even know that that work needs to be done because we haven't even taken the time to own the fact that we're struggling with our yeah. body. Mm-hmm. That's why I think the most powerful thing is to get honest and own it. And what's so hard too is like, I feel like we're kind of the first generation to be working on this stuff in this way. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Not that we're the first ones dealing Mm -hmm. with these issues, but it's like thinking about how impacted we have been by our parents Mm -hmm. and thinking about what if they were positively working on those issues in front of us and we were able to see that as well and be positively impacted by that. But we, most of us were not. Yeah. So we are like the first ones really doing this, which is so cool and like really hard. Yeah. There's like, yeah. there's examples in our peers, but there's like not examples of like ancestors. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> totally. And like mothers and, yeah. and grandmothers. My mom, I think, I don't know which episode it was, 
I don't know if it was like a body acceptance one, but I was talking about, and I am very mindful of what I say about my childhood growing up and things that were happening at my house because mm-hmm. I want to be respectful of everyone in it. But my mom said something where she was like, oh, I listened to your episode about your body and I had no idea that what I was doing or what I was saying had impacted you. And I had no idea that you were struggling and all these things. And it was so interesting because she's like, you know, I've always seen food as a threat. I've always seen food as like something that was like truly threatening to me. And it's Mm. funny because that just like hit me. I was like, oh my God, that's what it was. Like as a kid being at dinners, it was like the energy that my mom had around food was like terror. It Mm. was just like, soup for dinner, wherever we went. Every time we'd go out to eat, it was soup, no matter what. We're going to like steak place. We're going to whatever. She's like finding the soup on the menu. And it was like just that fear that I was like kind of intuiting. I'm like, okay, what's, Mm. why are we, why are we freaking out? Like, why are we nervous around food? And why do we have this like energy around food? And I do think there is so much healing we have to do for ourselves. And then for our family, my grandmother's had an eating disorder. I've had it in my family. So for you guys, and even for you, Lindsay, too, like what was the examples you guys saw at home? Not to, you know, we're not shitting on our moms here, but just like talking through the ways we've been exposed to um, disassociation with our body, hating our body or whatever. Um, well, both my parents uh, were, you know, told themselves as children and, you know, in high school that they were considered overweight. And when I look at pictures of them, they met in high school. No, oh. They were not overweight at all. It's... You know, and I think about my, both my grandmas who have passed, they were, my mom's mom was extremely strict, very cold, not, you know, very like loving and that kind of thing. And my dad's mom was more like loving, but also, you know, I think it's like you were saying, it's generation, generation, generation after just always, there's always this ideal body type. I mean, mm-hmm. you can look back all the way to the Renaissance, you know, back mm-hmm. in time, there's always been an ideal type, whatever it is. And it's- I would kill it back in time. I mean, me too. <laughs> like, I would just kill it. We would have been the amazing painty <laughs> ass. Yes. We would be in the, the Met, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely like, I know it's generational, um, but I will say too, probably my whole life, my mom- So when she was pregnant with me, she gained like 65 pounds. So she joined Weight Watchers basically after I was, right after I was born and has been a lifetime member ever since. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just remember always growing up with my mom going to Weight Watchers, always losing weight. She would do jazzercise and I would, she would bring me with her to these things. And um, my dad was a Marine and if you guys aren't familiar, um, when you're a Marine, you have to weigh a certain weight. You have to pass physicals. You have to be able to run. And I remember him exercising a lot. And I remember when his weight weigh-ins would come in, he would be, he wouldn't eat dinner with us. He, like we might have been eating out, like my mom would have brought food home and he would have made something. He would run on, run marathons, half marathons. He was always very concerned about his weight because he had to be for his job. And he, and he, both my parents, obviously their weight never came. Not like, you know, it, they had to work to weigh what they weigh. And even, and so obviously I grew up with that. And my siblings all, well, I have two sisters and a brother and I'm the oldest. And my two sisters never had a, any kind of weight 
at all, but I was always overweight and my parents would sit me down. I mean, all the time. Mm -hmm. You need to lose weight. You need to be healthy. We want you to live a long life. We want you to be happy. And they would have these kind of conversations Mm -hmm. with me and I'd cry and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to lose weight like as a kid. And it's like, but meanwhile, my mom was feeding us things like taco pie, which was Doritos (laughs) and taco ground beef. And cheese. Talk about five I mean, maybe we could make a vegan version. <laughs> I'm kind of no. down. Yeah, that's your next video. Oh okay. Vegan taco pie. And we were eating, Ooh. I lived in Arizona, so we were eating Mexican food all the time right. burritos and tacos and taquitos and quesadillas. And oh my God, taquitos. I'm like, yes, 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 I mean, yes. yes. <laughs> my favorite food to this day, but we weren't eating healthy. Right. I, would, I don't I don't know if I ever ate a vegetable. Yeah, but I didn't salad. make the correlation. Yeah. I'm right. like, what do you want yeah. me to do? I'm like, make it make sense. You're yeah. buying my food, you know, and they were like, you can't snack. And they would set rules for me, and my siblings didn't have those rules. And you know, and I, I always say, you know, I don't want to sit here and blame my mom, but I have to put some of the responsibility into her hands because. But I also think she didn't know, yeah. right? She didn't know any better. She was busy. She had four kids. She worked full time. She was doing the best she could. But you know, now I try so hard with them. Like it's frustrating because she still buys sugar-free stuff. She still drinks Diet Coke. She still does so many things that I try to help her change. And she slowly makes changes. And my dad's definitely more open. Like he has collagen every day and he, you know, but he does things like comment on our, my sister's bodies, which, you know, in front of me and he'll say things like, you look so skinny. You look so, and I had to pull him aside not to, this was probably two years ago. And I said, you know what? You got to stop doing this. And he was like, oh, like, I think he just didn't realize it. And I was like, my sisters definitely have, my youngest sister definitely has body dysmorphia and Mm -hmm. body image issues and that kind of stuff. And like, you are feeding into all Mm -hmm. of this. I mean, she asks, she'll text me every couple of days. Am I fat? Am I, you know, and she's not, she's never been overweight. She's, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, you, every time you tell her that she's skinny, she is like yeah. wanting more of that. It's like a wow. drug. Plants a yeah. seed. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And, and you want to keep hearing. And when I was losing weight, it felt good to hear. Sure. You look so good. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? You know, I want to do what you're doing. Or people would come up to me at the gym and be like, I've been watching you. You are putting in so much work. Like you're doing this amazing job. And it's like, in the moment, you want that. And you want those positive affirmations to keep telling yourself that whatever you're doing is right. But I really do believe like we have to, like you were saying, we've talked about this so much, like every comment that you make on someone's body, whether it's positive or negative affects them. Mm. And even the comments that I receive like on Instagram now and DMs, like I remember earlier this year, I was in a super emotional state as it was and because of quarantine. And I get a DM from a woman. I don't think she meant any harm by it, but it like set me, it spiraled mm. me. And she was like, I followed you for two years and you've gained weight. And it was like a question. And I'm like, uh, okay, yeah. Um, I'm like, get a, get a fucking journal. <laughs> get please a write that in your journal. It's, just, it's just very <laughs> interesting. Don't, you don't need to be telling me this. Yeah. Like, just think about it on your own if you want. Yeah. Like, But I definitely think, you know, the way we all grew up, it wasn't, you know, I had a very loving family, but they still harped on my my weight yeah. out of out of love, out of what they 
consider love, but they didn't. Yeah, they just didn't mm. have the answers. And I do feel so like happy that I'm putting my this work in now for when I have kids. And, you know, I'm going to be like with my parents, like super strict, like you're not going to talk about their bodies. Like mm-hmm. there will be hard and fast rules. Mm-hmm. Like you can compliment them on their artwork or their, you know, how smart they are or that they, you know, anything else. Like, let's just not focus. Like, our bodies are amazing and wonderful. And, you know, we only get one body in our lifetime. And I just feel like there's so many other things about us that are way more important. And in the end, what does it matter? Like, really, what our bodies look like. As long as we feel healthy and happy and we're doing what makes us feel that way, like, that's all that really, really matters. And for my parents, I think they have come to realize like it it doesn't matter what you weigh. Like, mm-hmm. but they still, you know, they still do things that I'm like, I flagged to them all the time. I probably talk to my mom. I mean, I talk to my mom every day, but probably every other day, I'm just like, why do you think 10 pounds is going to make a difference? Mm-hmm. I'm like, how is this? Why are we still having this conversation? Good for you for speaking up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I... You know, it wasn't a topic of conversation in my house. I got really lucky in that way. My mom always told me how great I was and talented and perfect as I am. And she was there to kind of make me feel better when I was being bullied in school about my body. The The things that I can say about my household and like how that could have impacted the body image issues and and disordered eating and stuff that I've experienced is that I think from a lot of it came from school, if not all of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I also was very aware of the food that other kids brought to school. So, I mean, my mom was a single mother, uh, self-employed. I always had food on the table, but I was also very, I wanted to like order out and kids would bring pizza to school or they'd mm-hmm. bring like really cool Lunchables or like the expensive, I don't know. Like, I was so jealous of Lunchable people. Yeah. I was just like, mm-hmm. and I mean, I Literally got them sometimes, so but jealous. I was really aware of mm-hmm. the fact that like we didn't have as much money as other people did. And I was only made aware of that because the other kids definitely let me know that, which is so messed up. But I did kind of become... I noticed now in my 20s when I started making money and I could just like go out and eat anything, that became kind of a thing where I was like, I can order whatever I want. I could spend $50 on Postmates today because I'm an adult and I make Mm -hmm. my own money. It became like this thing where I felt really like, well, I just want to like indulge in it and just eat whatever I want because now I can. You know, I don't have to eat at home every night. But my mom always made super healthy food. Um, also like weird going to my dad's, he'd be like, you have to eat everything on your plate. He would like force me to drink milk. I am plant-based now and I have been, but even younger, I was like, I don't want to eat meat. I don't want to drink milk. I was always kind of been more plant-based. I didn't know it when I was younger, but like weird stuff like that, where I was kind of like forced and there was that element of control Mm -hmm. of like, you're not getting up till you eat all your food. And it was like, what? Like, my parents said that too. I'm not hungry. Mm. Also, I don't want to eat this I weird can't wait to not gray force chicken. my kids to like finish <laughs> yeah. their meal. Like yes. what? I cannot wait to just have them be like, come in, yeah. come out. Yeah. Well, eat when you want. Taught me to not trust myself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And you took my yes. intuition's yeah. power away. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have my dad telling me, no, you're going to drink all that milk, even though you say it doesn't taste good. And then I've got, so that's telling me, okay, I can't 
tell you when I'm full and when I can stop eating. And then on the other side of it, it's like the kids at school are telling me I'm too skinny. So I'm like, all these things are help making me yes. think a certain way about food in my body. And it's really messing with me. Yes. Yeah. So I don't even know anymore. 100%. <laughs> Yeah, the milk thing. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. My mom at our house would <sighs> like start to show. So you would put milk out at each plate for milks for everyone and then make dinner. And so she'd be making dinner, you know, bless her. Thank God my mom was <laughs> cooking a lot of times. I'm so grateful. Yeah. But she'd cook and it would be an hour. So the milk has been sitting on the fucking table tough. for an I'm hour. It's <laughs> Me and my sister like would literally, like when she would do that or open our blinds in the morning to wake us up, Flip the fuck <laughs> out. We would literally flip tables. We were like, yeah. put it in the fridge. We don't want to drink. Literally. Yeah. And the same thing, it's funny too, because my mom with my with being uh, plant-based, I haven't eaten meat in 15 years, me or 10 years. I don't even know. And it's like, every time I go home, she's like, are you still- I know. Still what is doing that? that? I'm like, still doing that? Yep. I'm like, what do you even feel eat? a certain yeah. way about how what, they do their totally. thing. Totally. Because she'll always go, you know, meat's fine, but milk kind of, I don't know why, but then I'll go to her house and there'll be these magazines, these like weird ass fucking magazines that are like straight funded by like the Dairy yeah. Farmer Association yeah. and like Corn Association. <laughs> it is, it's like, honestly, like the back is like, this is how you should eat. It's like the food pyramid. Yeah. She'll be like, well, you have to have milk. Like that's how you get your calcium. Like all these things. I'm like, milk fine, doesn't yeah. naturally actually have calcium in it, guys. Uh, it, or, vitamin D, it's actually fortified with it. Yes, so let's, let's keep it real. And it's like yeah. super high sugar. It's actually... Disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah. Whatever. If you guys want to milk, peace and love. Yeah. Um, <laughs> peace and love to milk. I want to talk about being um, a public figure then. You know, so you guys being in the public eye, having communities, having people that you serve and work with. How do you, how do you guys show up? How do you guys inspire yourself enough or motivate yourself enough to show up every day? Ooh, you know, sometimes it's not as easy as it seems. I think that right now is like I'm in like a, a season of like it's harder to show up, but I I truly do love it. I like I've always found so much happiness and joy from community. Um, I've always loved having friends like from a small or from a young age. I have just loved having friends, even though I've always had a lot of siblings as well. I just get a lot of joy from it. And so I really feel like my community are just all my friends. And I do feel like I can wake up and talk about anything. And I feel like everyone, for the most part, that follows me is really like accepting and kind of there for me in a way. Like whenever I do go through tough times and I talk about it or like kind of talk about it, you know, I'll get hundreds of messages like of support. And it's just like such a cool feeling. And, you know, I think like feeling motivated and, you know, showing up, it's kind of like a choice that you have to make in the morning every day. And I'm just such a, like, I love a routine. Like I thrive in routine. And so, you know, if I don't, like, if I don't get on my stories every day, I find it hard to like get on my, if I take a couple days off, I am like, okay, well, I got to get, you know, back on my stories. And no one's telling me to get on my stories or to get on my Instagram and like show up. But I just feel this call, like I feel called towards it. And I remember when I started my Instagram, like over six years ago now, I was I was living in like the DC area in Virginia. And I was at a point where I had already, I'd already lost my weight, um, but I was having this, I was wanting to figure out how to find balance in my life. 
that's actually like what I was trying to do because I was going through that time where I was losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight. And I was like, I was sick of it. I was like, there's got to be a way to find balance. And I was so, I loved reading people's blogs. I would read, I would go to work and read people's blogs. <laughs> As you do. That's the dream. You know, you read blogs. Um, yes. And so I was like, you know, when Instagram came, I was like, I love photography. I love, you know, art. I was, I'm, consider myself pretty creative. And so I was like, this is going to be perfect. So I, I I started my Instagram as just a place, honestly, for me to document like my journey to balance. Mm-hmm. And then I like was really, I was following other women who were sharing their like weight loss journeys and were sharing their stories. And I was loving it. I was relating to it. And I was like, you know what? I should try this. Like, so I decided I, at first I was just sharing like what I was eating and like my, when I would go work out. And then I remember I short, shared a transformation photo. Well, it was a transformation photo. I don't know why I did the air quotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Joey and friends. <laughs> the air quotes are on the wrong thing. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember I was really scared to share it, but I remember all the positive like comments that I got and just that feeling of relating to perfect strangers mm. is a really incredible feeling. And honestly, all the women I surround myself in real life, like we met, through Instagram now. Like the people I know right now, besides my college friends, are all women that I connected with basically Mm -hmm. through this platform. And that is my like motivation a lot of the days is like that connection and that like vulnerability, like the things people share with me, the things I have decided to share with these basically strangers, but they're not really. Like we have this common thread and it just makes you feel less alone and I just, I think that's what motivates me a lot is because I know, and I I think now too, that I feel this responsibility to help, especially young women. Like when I get a girl who is 13 to 16 DMing me and saying, you're the only girl I've ever seen who looks like me. And which I find to be crazy, mind blowing. But when I was that age, I had never seen someone who looked like me either. Mm. And so it's it's proof to me that showing up as myself is very important because there's girls in Iowa, in small towns in Iowa, or I don't know, any small town, mm-hmm. small town in California, who are maybe the only girl who is curvy or, you know, and feels very alone. Because I remember I felt very alone throughout my whole life because I really was probably the only person I knew who looked like me. And I was always like, why, why is this my, like, why do I have to be like this? Or why did, like, why, why? But now I get to be like, oh, this is why. Because yeah. I get to share, like, this, I really truly feel like this is my, my calling, like, my purpose to mm-hmm. be here. And so I always look back and I'm like, I, my struggle is what is my power mm-hmm. and what is my, like, superpower or whatever, yeah. too. And it's, it's really cool. So I think that's, hopefully that answers your question. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, it is. There are some days that it's hard to show up, but I think for me, the whole reason I started my Instagram and my blog and my YouTube and this whole thing was to find relief from a very toxic and abusive relationship that I was in. And I was very lost. I was very broken, very depressed, suicidal. It was not a good time in my life. And so I really started this 
as a creative outlet to connect with other people and just to truly just to find joy. And so for me, while there are days where it's hard to show up, they're, they are few and far between. Because for me, this isn't so much about getting likes and getting paid and whatever else. At the end of the day and at its core, it will always be therapeutic and cathartic for me. It holds me accountable. It helps me um, also like step into my power more because I realized that when I portray myself as perfect or I portray this version of myself that seems perfect, I don't really get a lot of engagement. You know, and if we're talking about metrics, it's like, that's kind of a big deal. But then when I show up as my true authentic self and I show all my dirty laundry and I share it in a way that's not uh, for any other reason than it's therapeutic for me, people respond well to that, uh, respond well Mm -hmm. to that. And so why that's important and motivating for me is because not because it's raising my metrics, but because it's training me to... Be who I am and like stand in my power and own all my shit and not worry about, we get into this idea of what we think we, we portray or we say or we create or put out what we think other people want. And this is a fucking trap. And what this whole platform has done for me is it's really shown me that like at the end of the day, really my power is me being me and owning all my stuff. It feels better to me. People respond to it better too, which is, that's just like a cherry on top. But that's the way that I started to kind of see that. And that's really been my motivation is like having a community of people that appreciate my honesty, that love and accept me, even though I've made a thousand mistakes, that approve of me, even though I shouldn't be basing it on that, but that I get this sense of validation and approval And people are like, we still love you. And like, I need that. It makes Mm -hmm. me emotional because for whatever reason, in my 31 years of life, I've told myself that like, that makes me unlovable. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm only lovable or enough or worthy if I'm perfect. Also, like the standard of perfect is dependent on each new person I come into contact with. Therefore, I've been on a never ending search for perfect because everybody has a different idea, you know? So it's very motivating for me to show up and to keep it real because it feels good and it's helped me grow so much. Mm -hmm. I think social media gets such a bad um, reputation for causing people and triggering people to feel more insecure and this and that. And I'm I'm sure that it is. I'm not discounting that. But I also think it's like you get what you're looking for, okay? And if you're triggered, like you need to ask yourself what in you is getting Mm -hmm. triggered. And so I don't know why I'm going off on this tangent, but like, that's big. I do think it's really important, you know? And like, I've been on that tip all year. It's like everyone wants the world to change, but they don't want to change for the world. Totally. It's like, Mm -hmm. where's the trigger warning? I'm triggered by this. This is bothering me. It's like, where's the self-responsibility for Mm. people to actually do the work? Because if it's not this trigger, it's going to be another trigger. It's going to be another mirror for them to really work through whatever issue there is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's, it gets a bad reputation for that. But I also think like for me, I've met some of my greatest friends through social Mm -hmm. media. You, Mm -hmm. you, you, (laughs) or not Mm -hmm. necessarily social media, but my blog and my journey, you know, it's like the, you guys, like I I consider you, 
my family. Like, oh my God, my life would not be as rich as it is without your relationships, Mm -hmm. my relationships with you guys. And so for me, it's become an empowering tool Mm -hmm. for me to learn how to own my stuff Mm -hmm. and to show up authentically and to love my skin, even when it's broken out and to show up on stories. It seems so small, but like to show up on stories with like terrible cystic acne, that was a really big fucking deal for me. And finally doing it, I was like, wow, I'm so liberated. (laughs) This is amazing. So it's really helped me feel more powerful in myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what motivates me Mm. as well as using my shit to inspire others to turn their wounds into wisdom, you know, and to kind of like make that their superpower. You know, it is, there's something so powerful about connecting with other humans. And that's our, our like human need Mm -hmm, of connection, you know? And I think it's really powerful and beautiful to be able to connect with other people and you'd feel like you're not alone and and like to have that community aspect. It's everything. It's powerful. Yeah. I do love Instagram for that reason. You yeah. know, it's like I, I love and I can feel and we can all feel when people are just like being themselves. Ooh, mm-hmm. feels you know, I'm real just good. Like, Ooh, that, that makes me, it makes me happy. It makes it me fires inspired. Me up. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and listen, I, I love a beautiful photo and something that looks maybe quote unquote perfect, but there's also just, that's why like, Instagram is so dynamic, Mm -hmm. right? And to your point, it really is taking that self-responsibility to be like, who do I want to follow? Who do I want to see on my feed every day day, or what type of content, what inspiration, funny, et cetera. I think it's important. Have you guys, you know, just briefly, like, have you had to, this is also new. This is kind of like first generation doing this as a full-time career, successful career. Like, has it been hard to like explain Blame this to people? Have you had to kind of get over oh my that God. in any way? Wait, at Thanksgiving, did you guys ever have that? At Thanksgiving? Oh, well, yeah. This year, every year, it's like, what do you do? And they like think it's, I'm very proud of what, what we've built. <laughs> <laughs> so to go into a situation where like, so what do you do? I'm like, it's kind of like a radio show. It's like about spirituality. And they're like, yeah, I took paranormal classes in college. Oh my God. There was no research that backed any of it up. I'm like, what? And now I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I make more money than you. I make more money than you. I make more money than you. It's crazy the lack of dissonance. So please continue about Mm -hmm. your career, but I had to say that. Well, this is the pro of like having only one other person in my family. My mom, it's just my mom and I, Mm -hmm. that like, I don't have to go to family dinners and try to explain myself to anyone. (laughs) I'm like, this is what I do. Um, But my mom, like in the beginning, she would always be like, you're always on your phone. And it's like funny because before I started this, I wasn't really on my phone a lot. And I wasn't on Instagram Mm -hmm. in a personal way. I really made that shift when I decided that I wanted to start creating a community. And so, yeah, there was like some growing pains there when I would have to explain to her where I'm like, I... I'm not just doing this to be annoying or rude on my phone while we're at the dinner table. I'm like, I'm working. And, but I think as she's seen my community grow and my income grow and my freedom grow, she's like, okay, I see you. Like, Mm -hmm. go for it. But yeah, some people will ask me and they're like, I'm sorry, I don't get it. So like you post pictures, yoga pictures, and I'm sure you have lots of guy followers, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're 90% (laughs) female. Okay, over here. I've worked very hard for that. I'm like, it's not tits and ass all over my Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's not a thirst trap. I'm really creating a community. And I think that with time, people will start to see that this is a, a real career path and that it's, I'm sure there's 
influencers, I'm using air quotes, mm-hmm. that are, you know, like not really adding too much value to the world, but like that's not a part of my world. Mm-hmm. Like I am about connecting with people. I am about changing people's lives and I am about empowering others while I heal and empower myself. Mm-hmm. Amen. So I think for me, when I, so when I, uh, okay, so I was in DC and I had a, uh, I was a contractor for the a government agency and I had had my Instagram for a year and it was just like, I was, I had a great community. I I think I had like 20 or 30,000 followers at the time. And it was, I don't know, I was making no money. I don't know. I was just doing it for fun. And all of a sudden, one day I go into work and I was laid off, slash fired. Um, and I, cause I wasn't a government employee. I was a contractor. They could like get rid of you easily. And I was like, very surprised, but not really because I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we know now you're all writing blogs all day. Right? Blogs all day. <laughs> I'm like, and you're like, and no idea. <laughs> Can you believe that? Sounds like the government. Okay, no, <laughs> so but honestly, I was working in this horrible office. There was no windows. It was dude, life oh, sucking. Not it was, okay. It was God's way of kicking me where I needed to go, you know? Saving uh, or you. Or pushing, <laughs> kicking, I don't know, throwing. Um, he, so I was laid off and then 11 days later, I moved to California. I had a flight already and I told my parents, I said, uh, I'm not going to get a job. Like, I'm not getting a nine to five job anymore. Like, I'm not going back to that world. I... I'm going to be a full-time blogger. And I said it and they were like, you know, you can live with us for a little while, but this is not going to be a permanent situation. So I moved in with them and they were redoing their house and uh, the, and they were living in this like small two bedroom, two bathroom. And it was, there was two dogs and them and me. And they were just, they thankfully, I, which is really, truly surprising because when I was in college, I had grew up, I grew up my whole life thinking I was going to be a pediatrician. And I remember I switched my major to be a graph, graphic designer and I had already done it. I called my dad and I said, dad, I, I'm, I'm doing graphic design. And he was so mad. He was like, what does that even mean? What will you do? I can't take care of you my whole life. And I was like, dad, it's fine. Every brand needs a graphic designer. I'm like, have you seen anything with a logo? It's been designed by a graphic designer. He just didn't understand. So they had already like had that hard blow like a couple years before where I was like, told them I'm not going to be a doctor. I would have been the worst doctor. I'm so bad at math and science and all that. Um, (laughs) So uh, when I told them this, somehow they were like, okay, well, we'll let you like explore this. And I was 28. So what are they really going to do? I mean, I guess I could have, I had savings. I could have lived by myself, but they were nice enough to let me live with them. And while I was trying to figure this out, I didn't know anyone who was a full-time blogger personally. And so I was trying to like meet people who were. And that was honestly, Jordan, the Balance Bomb was one of the first people who I connected with who really helped me. She's like, she's younger than me, but I consider her one of my, my mentors back in the day because she was the one to be like, this is what you need to do and you can do it and I'm going to help you kind of thing. And it's not like she gave me all this help, but she had many important conversations with me to help me. And, you know, my parents, they, because I was able, I lived with them for a short time and then I moved out and I ended up getting a job as a, uh, with a celebrity trainer as her assistant while I was building the blog up. And I told her, I said, I'm going to one day work for myself, but I would love to like learn from you and help you while I'm, until I can. 
And so, of course, my parents kind of let it go because they were like, oh, she's going to work for this woman. So, okay, like, it's fine. And meanwhile, I was growing my blog and my Instagram. And then... Can't wait to find out who it is after this. Yeah. <laughs> I think you guys both know I think her. I know too. Um, and mm-hmm. then when I told my parents uh, that I was leaving that job and I was going to be full-time, they were like, okay, if you do that, like, we can't help you. Like we, at the point, at that point in time, they just didn't, they, they couldn't have helped me. Right. And so I was like, you know, I'm fine. I like, I'm going to do this. It's happening. Like this is happening. And I think it was when I, I got this, like, uh, I got a offer to sign with like a really big brand for like a ambassador role. And that, I think when that happened, my dad was finally like, okay, like this is real. Like this is what you're going to do. And he finally was all about it because he didn't follow me on Instagram for the longest time. He didn't ask about it. He didn't like, wasn't really super interested. And then when that happened, and it, it's a very long story, but I didn't end up taking that that ambassador role because it just didn't feel, feel right. But he was so couldn't believe the type of money I could make from signing like that for what I was doing. And he just didn't get it until that happened. And then it clicked and they are so support. Now he, like he used to tell people when, cause he would fly a lot for his job um, to different places. Uh, and I would get DMs from people. Oh, I met your dad today. Oh um, yeah, I get this from my mom too. I love She'll be that. like, I got you a new follower. I'm like, thanks mom. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> take what I can get. So I, love it. I know he's so proud and like, yeah. I, I guess Aww. I'm talking more about my dad because my mom is always pretty supportive. She's a very realistic person, but she's always been relatively supportive, but my dad was more on the fence. Um, and the rest of my family, like I don't, I'm not very close actually with my extended family. So, I think they understand. Same. I don't know. They seem mm-hmm. to... Don't care. They don't ask me that much about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, isn't, isn't it interesting how they don't ask... The not asking questions thing is so interesting to me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I try not to take it personally, whether yeah. it's, you know, immediate family or extended family, but I'm just like, okay. I, I have so know. much compassion. People really do really? not know how to engage or yeah, connect that's with true. people. That's like, true. we think our, the, the younger generation doesn't know how to connect. I mean, Jesus yeah. Christ, go to like a family, something. People do not know how to True. connect. <laughs> no, they don't. Like it's... Painful. I mean, my whole dad's side of the family just literally disconnected. They, yeah, not one like, person Bye. reached out to me. I'm like, wow. okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Talk it's about so not knowing how to connect. Yeah, wow. people, I think we give people too much credit, Kate. Yeah, <laughs> that's really the yeah, really. Not to be mean, but yeah. I'm like, are you okay? Like, yeah. I remember being 12 and being like, okay, how come I'm more emotionally um, yes. like mature. intelligent and mature <laughs> than you guys are? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's weird. Yeah. Because it's like their life. trauma just sticks them out yeah. at a certain mm-hmm. age. And it's just so heartbreaking. I've always felt like that too, where it's like everyone is everyone is like robotically repeating whatever they've been mm-hmm. told mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And no one's ever there. I was always like, is anyone home? Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, is anyone yeah. actually saying something that is true for them right now or honest or like whatever? So it always felt like for me, I was just like, mm-hmm. all of you are like just, Dead people. I would, I'll call them dead people. I'm like, you guys are dead people. Like, oh my God. I was like, no one is just being honest and truthful and real. And so I'm grateful that, you know, we're at a place where it is more accepted than ever. Cause I don't think it was accepted when people, when people were like our parents' yeah. age. That's so true. It was like so fearful. True. You know, you were like, 
you were judged if you were honest or like you were judged if you told people. Because I know when I express very openly, it's like, my family's like, what'd you say? Yeah. My mom just yeah. watched a YouTube video of mine yeah. the other night and she we were talking on the phone and she's like, can't keep anything private. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> she's like, you're just sharing about your period. And I'm like, well, we all have a mom. She's like, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's an interesting thing. Uh, yes. She's like, wow, you're just really letting it all hang out. Know. You know, and I think it's, in a way, like it, it's shocking for her, but I also, there have been times where she's like, it's really inspiring that you're mm-hmm. just like so open, you know? Bless. Yeah, I think that they're just that generation. It's not um, normal, you know. Yeah, and even for us, we're kind of like shifting into it. So true. I think a lot of people too just can't, don't want to deal with the shit. They don't want to deal with the the feelings that they're feeling. The the, their own repercussions. And I think you know we're surrounded by people who love this shit like mm-hmm. right like we love to talk about we have like every time I'm with Shayla we have the deepest conversations we're like crying in a pool like everyone else is drinking and you know we're just like what that is like who we 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 are constantly pushing ourselves and we love that we thrive in that situation but a lot of people in our parents generation and beyond you know they don't they were taught push push it under push it mm-hmm. under and I'm sure there's people our age too who push everything under the rug but I've never been one to do that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Same. This has been fun. <laughs> this has um, been so fun. So this is coming out in the new year. So we're in 2021, but would love to know like just what, what you two want to experience more of this, this coming year. Wow. Future Ooh. tripping. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Get on our Future tripping. I roll out my list. Um, Mm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Britt, there's a wall there, BB. Yeah. You okay? You know what? I think we need to get her a helmet. <laughs> yeah. oh, what do I want to experience more of in 2021? Um, I don't know. Britt, you want to go first? Oh my God, I, I don't know what that. I want to say. I mean, oh, I just no. hope. I want to try, like, I, have, I mean, yeah. get yeah. me vaccinated and let me, get me on a plane, like, out of... I need I I need a vacation. Like mm-hmm. I I'm sure everyone feels this way. I mean I I so I I don't know if I I obviously didn't mention this yet, but I have a uh, athletic clothing line mm-hmm. called Wavy. So there's many fun things coming in 2021. There'll hopefully be a new launch by the time this comes out. Um, so if you're looking for, I you love know. my wa- I love my jacket. <laughs> yeah. My Wavy jacket. Everyone's like, oh, that's so cool. Yay! Love I'm glad you guys like it. So wavy. Um, but yeah, so fun things with that. And I don't know. I I need I, I usually at the end of every year I sit down and like write some goals. I'm gonna be 34 in this month in December. So I'll be 34 when this comes out. And it's so freaking crazy to say that. Like, and you know, I definitely wanna make like my love life a priority mm. this coming year. I always say that, but we're gonna make it happen this year. Um, so, you know, trying to push myself out of my comfort zone in that way. Um, I've been single for a very long time. So I just feel like it's time. And, you know, just continue on my search for finding like, you know, happiness and just feeling fulfilled in my work. And I don't know, I don't have like concrete goals. I think this year taught me so much about, I, I'm such a planner, but this year really said, nope, <laughs> F you, your you, gotta, <laughs> you gotta live in the moment. You gotta go with the flow. You have to 
learned that lesson. And I think, you know, for a, I'm a Capricorn, it's that's hard. But I definitely just live in, like, try to live in the present as much as possible and just be grateful for everything I do have. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so... I'm sure. More gratitude and love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. True. Yeah. You know, for me, I what I want to experience more of is um, doing less. Mm-hmm. You know, this yes. has been a really big lesson for me recently that I've, well, recently started noticing. <laughs> it's been a long-term <laughs> habit of doing too much. And like, it's that same, mm-hmm. like, I'm not enough if I'm not being productive and da, 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 da. So I kind of, I would like to, yeah, shift into doing less and prioritizing time and space more. You know, I have my 12-week program, The Yoga Inspired Life. I'd love to connect more with more people and grow that. I have my new podcast too, The Yoga Inspired Life podcast. And I'd love to dive into that more and just create more intentionally. You know, like Mm. we were talking before we started recording and like really releasing that need to say yes to everything. And like, this is like really not the right language, but like whore myself out, which I'm not whoring myself out. But <laughs> do you know what I mean? With my time. Like, well, I can do yeah. it. I could probably do it. I could always put, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of doing that with my time. It's like, you yeah. gotta, yes. it's okay to have a little time for yourself in the yes. morning. Yeah. Or it's like that annoying thing. of like, I didn't eat all day because I'm just so busy. And it's like, mm-hmm. um, no, that's mm-hmm. not cute. Yeah. Burnout isn't there. cute. Yeah. Well, you know, so (laughs) I would like to do a little less and have things feel a little bit more fluid, more authenticity, more love Mm -hmm. too. Like feel like I've been in a season of healing from my abusive relationship and I've really needed this time to be alone. But I'm coming into this season where I'm like, okay, like I feel like my life is at a place where I could really accept Mm -hmm someone into my life and not be looking for them to complete me or fix me. And that's cool. And yeah, just more realness like we're having today. I love this. Yeah. Love you. Yeah. I love, you. I love you guys. I feel love coming in for both of you this <laughs> yeah, year. Whoa. I know. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That good dick's coming. <laughs> oh my God. We love you guys. Thank you love so much you for so coming. Much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having us. The best. Thank you. Um, and we will see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much. Thank you to Brittany Vest and Shayla Quinn for joining us on this episode. You can find the full video of this episode on YouTube. So I don't know if you guys are listening on YouTube, but it is really beautiful and fun to see everyone kind of in all their glory. So highly recommend you following and subscribing Almost 30 on YouTube. Yeah. And thank you so much to our sponsors for this episode. As always, we just share brands and products that we love and use ourselves. We vet them all. And uh, it's fun to hear from you guys when you when you try them out. So this episode is sponsored by Blue Blocks, Issue, Paleo Valley, and Daily Harvest. Thank you all so much. You can find information on these sponsors in the show notes as well as on almost30.com. We'll see you guys soon. Love you. Love you.